you will make it. And when you as a Christian step out in faith in the empowerment of God, you'll find that. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. That's my prayer for us as his children, that we speak comfort to people. Not being comfortable in their sin, but being comforted in that they can be forgiven. Do you know how many broken hearts you and me will come in contact with from this Sunday till next Sunday? We see people's smiley faces, maybe sometimes even in church. And yet inside their hearts are broken open. They live in regret. Well, why is that? Because they don't know about a living Savior that will forgive them and restore them. See, the the thing is with foreign religion, uh, uh, what I mean by uh, that is the cults and and, uh, 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 all those kinds of uh, religions out there, they will all tell you how to appease God in their own minds, burn incense sticks, go say so many prayers, uh, uh, wear these kind of clothes. They have all kinds of different formulas that they will try to tell you how to appease God. Now, what's really different, when Jesus died on the cross, his death appeased the Father's wrath against sin. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. So when we take what he did for us, clothe ourselves in it, we're clothed in his righteousness, friends. But then God does something in Christianity, in Jesus Christ, that no other religion of the world does. And that is this. All the religions of the world will tell you how to somehow appease God, but only your God rebuilds people. That's what's cool. God rebuilds. There's no rebuilding offer in Hinduism other than maybe you can die, burn off some bad karma, and come back as a butterfly. But God actually says, I'm going to rebuild you. What do you have for illustrations of that? Well, again, you have Samson. We remember that as his hair began to grow and his strength came back, a little boy took him by the hand and led him down to where they were having a big party festival of worshiping pagan gods. And he told this little boy, put my hands on the two supporting pillars. I'm sure because of Samson's uh, lifestyle, I'm sure he probably had been in that building before. He probably knew exactly what pillars those were. No doubt maybe he was there with maybe some of his pagan girlfriends and they were all having their little hoodow. And probably Samson looking around going, hey, wow, this whole building is held up by those two pillars. That's something you don't see every day. 
Well, now he's blind. And so he goes down and he said, Lord, give me my strength back one last time. And the Bible says he pushed on those pillars. He killed more Philistines in that one move than he did in his whole life. He's listed as a champion of faith. King David, after blowing it, almost losing his throne, but the Bible says that God forgave him and restored him and blessed him. And the Bible says that Jesus would be the bright morning star, the offspring of, and the root of David. Imagine that kind of a person being the star person in your lineage, speaking of who Jesus Christ is. Wow. You don't think you have a God that can work miracles, not only in other people's lives, but friends, I have noticed in my life, do you know sometimes who the biggest need of a recipient of a miracle is? Me. Why is that? Because I realize as I live my life, there are shortcomings. And in those shortcomings is where I realize God makes up the difference. God is the one that repairs and restores. No other religion offers that. You might appease God by burning your incense and selling flowers in airports and wearing orange. But only our God rebuilds. Friends, you got a God that rebuilds you. That's why the Bible says he's the God of healing. That's why he's the great restorer. And what do we need every day? How am I going to be an effective witness for Christ if I'm broken? Have have you ever tried to sell something that you weren't sold on? I don't know if you ever did that. Sure, a miserable experience. You're saying, boy, you know, this new rub-a-dub is really great. I use it. It don't work worth beans, but it's really great. And you notice the hypocrisy in your life. Well, God doesn't want us to be a hypocrite. He wants us to say, okay, God, you're greater than the things that I have done wrong. I have gotten out of those things that created that wrong in my life. And now I can go on and be what you want me to be. But I can never be that. I can never. I, you, you can't sell something that you're not sold on. Do you know why a lot of Christians don't witness? Well, I guess God will help you. I don't know. He hasn't always helped me. I hope he does something more for you than he's done for me. That's what a lot of Christians' testimony is. But you know what you realize? When you're a child of the king, friends, you've got the empowerment of God in you. You've got the Holy Spirit that's driving you. And when you step out in faith, whatever it might be, that God then empowers you to do what that is. God help us that we as Christians ever get to the point where we don't need God to do whatever we do for God. We're in trouble then. Because then what are you doing? Well, maybe it might be very much like uh, (laughs) the Bible talks about uh, our righteousness as filthy rags. And the last use in Bible days, of a rag was to wrap it around a pole or a stick and use it for a wick as it pour oil on it. I want to be very careful that I'm not burning myself. You see, God put his Holy Spirit in us that we would be not burning ourselves up, but that God would put his Spirit in us that we would be lit by him. He says that we need to comfort 
to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies or speaks under the anointing of God edifies the church. I wish you all spoke in tongues. I even more that you prophesied. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongue, unless he indeed explains what he's doing in the church, that it may receive edification. The word for interpret there means to explain fully. Not to translate to another language, by the way. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what will I profit you unless you either by revelation or by knowledge or prophesying or by teaching? You're not going to understand what I'm doing. He said, even in life, even things without life, whether it be the flute or the harp, when they make a sound, unless they make distinctions in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? For the trumpet, when it makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? And by the way, that's how all military operations operated up until the time of two-way radios was uh, even the United States Cavalry, you know, you know, charge. Well, the sound is what dictated what you needed to do. And he says, if people don't understand what's being said, what profit is it? So in other words, people can be very spiritual in their gifts. And I've been into churches where everybody breaks into tongues and everything like that. But Paul goes on and he tells us in verse 26, how is it, brethren, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. But if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, and in turn, let one explain fully what they're doing. That's what it's talking about. I, I think that's good. Now, I jumped ahead there just for a minute because I wanted to bring a clarification there. So when we go back here, he explains what the edification of the church is. You see, if you're built up, if you're healthy, you're going to be able to go out and minister. If you're weak, you don't know what you believe. I come to church, I get a real neat spiritual buzz, but I don't know what I believe. How can you, how can you tell anybody what Jesus has done for you? That's the problem. And so that's why God's word, the Bible, tells us what we need, first of all, to expect from God, how he's going to equip us, and then what to do. Now, you, you remember that Peter and some of the other disciples are on their way up to the temple to pray. And in the book of Acts, and there was a guy begging alms. He had a little cup out there, probably selling pencils with a pair of brown, dark brown sunglasses. I don't know. And he was laying there lame. What an importunity. What, what a, you know, we're on our way to go to the temple to worship God. And here's this guy that's lame in the way, begging money. But you see, friends, when you're a Christian, nothing is by accident. Please, if you don't get anything else out of this this morning, get this. God loves you. Your life is not an accident. And the things that are in your life right now have a purpose. It may not be till we get to heaven to know what those purposes are, but I guarantee you there's a reason. And they came by the guy and they looked at him and he said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy got up and he walked. 
Now, do you think it was by a weird set of circumstances that Peter and those guys happened to be there at the very same time this guy that was lame was laying there? They had to probably step around him. No. They saw and recognized it. You see, when we were in the world, before we became a Christian, we had an eye for the world. You could walk into a group of people and know who the drug dealer was. And I know many, many people that I've talked to said, oh yeah, I don't know how I knew, I just knew. I believe that's part of the demonic world. But when we become a Christian, we become part of God's purpose and God's world. And where we had an eye for sin before we came to Christ, and in the old, I think it was Merle Haggard that wrote the song, in every lock that ain't locked when no one's around. You could spot the drug dealer. You could spot the unlocked door. You could spot an opportunity to steal or to sin. But now as a Christian, we now have an eye for God. And when we look across, and the very person that sometimes is the one that may be the one of most disdain in the room is the very one that God would direct us to, to minister to, to bring comfort. Not only to the church, but I believe out. And and again, Jesus, and seeing the multitudes, had compassion on them. Seeing them as as sheep without a shepherd. Friends, I just pray today that God causes you to be empowered with the Holy Spirit in a way you've not known before. That you begin to walk in the Spirit differently than you did before. Start realizing that your footsteps are not just your footsteps, they're God footsteps that He's preordained your life. Man, that's neat. That means that even something that I would get mad at is the very thing that God has ordained to be. I, I use this illustration because it was so pointed, and I, it was one of those breaking points in my life. I was going down Falls Avenue here, and I was speeding. And I was in a hurry, and this lady in an old red pickup truck, if you're here today, I, I want to shake your hand, pulled out in front of me, and I had to slam on the brakes, and I was mad. Don't, lady, I'm in a hurry. Slow me down. And we went down, there's a dip, and I came up the other side, and here's a cop taking radar pictures. And, if it, and I said, Lord, thank you for this lady in the red pickup. And God said, what changed? A minute ago, you were cussing her out. Now you're saying thank you for her. What changed? Because there are things in the future that I don't see and God will always in some loving manifestation of his ways put an old lady in a pickup truck in front of you. And you thank God for those. If there's something going on in your life and it doesn't go your way. Oh, well, we were putting an offering on a house and it fell through. And I really wanted that. I talked to a lady this past week. Had an issue with with a a thing and we started talking on the phone. She said, you know, it's the funniest thing. She lives in Austin, Texas. She says, the funniest thing. I was going to buy a house and, and the bank wouldn't approve me for the extra amount. I really wanted the house on the corner. 
Well, I settled and got the one behind it, and, and that, was, that was okay, but that wasn't really what I wanted. She says, the funniest thing, though, a hurricane, a tornado came through their town, destroyed the house where she would have bought. But the house behind it, her house, never didn't really receive any damage. It is weird how God does things that are inconveniences to us. Now, here's the point. Either God's God of your life as a Christian or he's not. If he's not, you need to become born again. If, he is, if you are a Christian and you love God and you experience those lame people in your way, on the way to the temple, God's got a divine encounter of the real kind for you. That's where the power of God came. Peter stepped out and faced, said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we will give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And the man leaped up, running, the Bible says, leaping and praising God. Amazing. The very thing that was in their way was the very thing God wanted them to do. Seeing it God's way. This morning we have communion. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's the only physical thing Jesus gave us to remember him by. Not by a bronze cross around our neck or an 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church. But this is what Jesus said, I want you to remember me by. But here's why it's important, friends. Because maybe something today that was said by the Holy Spirit would minister to you. And here's what it is. The, the cup represents Jesus' blood. We know that. You were redeemed. You, somebody died for you in your place. That's what the cup represents. The bread was broken. Peter says it's by his stripes we're healed. Now, a lot of people always take that. Well, I, I feel fine. I don't have a cold coming on. I don't have any cancer. I, I'm fine. That's not, I believe, necessarily what it's just talking about. I believe when the Bible talks about by his stripes we're healed, we're a very complex person. We just are. We're a body, a mind, and a spirit. Speaking of a Christian who's been born again, that spirit of God born in him, as John chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus saying, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Now, here's the point. You can have perfect health and be miserable because of things going on in your life. You can have, you can have things going well in your life, but be physically miserable. You, you might have an illness. You might have... have perfect health. You, you might even have uh, things together, but your past bothers you. Those things, the wish of would have, those hauntings. Well, by his stripes we're healed. This morning, when you hold the bread in your hand, I just want you, maybe, and for some of you, this might be the first time you've ever done this, but say, God, I want you to heal my past. I want you to heal my thought pattern. I want you to heal my ability to love, my ability to be loved. Because I realize that I can partake of communion, as it says in, in 1 Corinthians 11, in an unworthy fashion. Now, a lot of people completely misread 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Are you worthy to have communion? The truth of the matter is, no, none of us are, never will be. 
It's not talking about you and me being worthy. It's the way we view communion in an unworthy fashion. If you look at the language, it's talking about communion being viewed in an unworthy fashion. This is what the problem was with the Corinthian church. And by the way, the Corinthian church were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They changed the Lord's Supper into a, almost an orgy. It was a mess. Paul says, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? When you come together, it's not for your better, it's for your worse. But they had changed communion into a party, not discerning the Lord's body. What it's for. Friends, it's to remind you you're valuable to God. And the second thing is, it's to heal your heart, your mind, your body. Oh, we need that. Because again, if I'm going out wounded, trying to lead people to Christ, I'm not, first of all, going to be very effective, if effective at all. And I'm not going to have the zeal of saying, you know what? I've gone through hell and back, and I'll tell you something, God's faithful to his word. And he will see you through. He will see you through. He's seen me through. He's seen you through. You will make it. And when you as a Christian step out in faith in the empowerment of God, you'll find that because love is what's driving you. Otherwise, we can become a clanging symbol. Yes, even living in the Spirit. Rather than living in God's love, stepping out in love. Instead of stepping over the lame person, we look at that and say, This is an opportunity. How many opportunities do you think, and I'm saying this to me too, maybe I missed this week because I wasn't seeing it God's way. Oh man, I think about that sometimes. You see, I got to be able to recognize God's hand. The healing is for you today. God, heal our eyes, spiritual eyes, that we can see that those things that seem to be the inconvenience are your very hand helping us, directing us into what you want us to do. Run after love and desire the spiritual, as it says in verse 1 of Corinthians 14. I just want to encourage you, desire that. You see, because when you have a desire for that, You step out in faith and God goes, I'll empower you. That's when the gifts of the Spirit become. And this morning, when you have your friends around you, perhaps let the Lord lead you. you And and, if you feel prompted to pray for somebody, pray for them. Let God do that. Because we have a God that does miracles. Again, it isn't just appeasing God. He was appeased on the cross by Jesus Christ. There's nothing you or me do that appeases God. But God says, I love you, and I'm going to rebuild you. And I'm going to build you better than you were before. Only God does that. You let God do that. This morning, if you're not a Christian, it would be unfair to you to have communion not being a Christian. So we're going to pray. And you can ask Christ in your life right now. And then following, we'll have communion. And let God restore Rebuild and heal you. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that his heart is to rebuild, bless, and restore you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today.
Forgive me of living my life selfishly. And Lord, that I complain so much. Father, open my eyes now to your spirit that now as your child these that you put in front of me I will minister to and I will step out in that power in Jesus name no longer I but Christ you live within me Father fill me now with your Holy Spirit Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And so now, may I be about your business for now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.